We tend to believe that once a cheater, always a cheater. I receive countless messages on Instagram every day that say, we've overcome our infidelity. And so I share that on my stories. It is possible. I'm not saying every case is the same, but I hope this also provides hope that it can be possible with enough support, with taking accountability, so many more things. Hello, and welcome to the Parenthood Pod. I'm your host, Leonia Kidanov, and every week I will bring you conversations that aim to smash the stigma on struggles we face as parents. This segment is The Vault, where we ask you, our community, what is keeping you up at night? Your messages remain anonymous, they stay in the vault. To submit your confession, click on the link in the show notes. Welcome to the show. Hi, Alex. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. So thrilled to have you on with us today. For those listening, Alex is a certified life and relationship coach. Uh, She also had a 13-year relationship with her now husband where they experienced sort of the ups and downs of life. So has personally uh, experienced that, uh, the you know, the thing that we all know that sometimes love just isn't enough in a relationship and that these relationships do take some damn hard work to to be sustainable. So (laughs) I thought you would be the perfect person, Alex, based on your expertise to actually tackle this particular call-in that we've had. So we had a dad call in um, basically about the fact that they've just survived an affair and he's uh, feeling a little bit judged uh, by his family uh, for sticking at it with his relationship. So let's cut to that caller now. Hi, Leonie. Thanks for the opportunity to be on the podcast. My wife had an affair about a year ago and we've decided to stay together. We have two young children, aged five and seven. The ordeal was obviously devastating. And when I first found out, I reached out to some close family and friends for support. After a lot of therapy and open discussions, we have both reflected on our lives prior to the divorce. With me working long hours and travelling a lot, both of us not putting the effort into our relationship, the stresses of modern-day life with kids, etc., we genuinely feel stronger moving forward. The issues I have is there are still some close family and friends who can't seem to forgive my wife. I feel resentment at some family gatherings towards my wife. I'm also nervous in time that someone will tell our kids about our affair, about the affair. Uh, They don't know about it yet. How do I best communicate to these family members that I'm sick of their judgment and just want to accept our decision to stay together as a family? Also, that I no longer want the affair being brought up as I want to protect my children from it. Okay, Alex. So we've heard what he had to say. And firstly, I mean, what a great raw confession. And I think it's a really, really interesting topic. Talk to me. Do you have clients that come to you who say, look, you know, family and friends don't really resonate with the person that I've decided to be with? Absolutely. And I agree with your point of how um, open he was about what's what's been going on. I think that's the very first step is to take accountability, say, okay, this is us becoming aware of what's happening. And I love how he did take responsibility for, for his side of things um, and what he shared. Mm. So yes, um, I'd say 90, 99% of um, clients that I coach or, or people who reach out mm. in, you know, especially, especially on social media, on Instagram and DMs, share that there is some sort of judgment. It could be from family members, from colleagues, from friends. And this comes from the fact that we all have rules around how a relationship should look like. We all grow up with a very different 
view on relationships and our own interpretation of what a relationship or a good relationship, a successful, thriving relationship, healthy relationship should look like. So imagine we all are living our lives with our own version of what that looks like. And so we definitely then tend to project that onto others. So it makes a lot of sense that there is um, that feeling of being judged because just imagine that we all have this rule book of what a relationship should look like. And I've been in that spot for many, many, many years in my own relationship um, from people sometimes closest to me, um, judging the way we did things, judging um, even how, you know, we met very young. So there was judgment around that. But what I will say is um, even today, there are still people who will judge the way we do things. We have done long distance relationships. So people judge that. And so at the end of the day, there will almost always be some sort of judgment from anyone, whatever you do. It could be a relationship. It could be anything else you choose to do. And so that comes back to what do I want to do? What do I choose to do? What does my partner and I, uh, what do we actually decide to do based on what you know has happened in our relationship, based on what we want for our future? Because at the end of the day, again, there might always be some sense of judgment, even if you're doing things right in your own way. So... That's something I've experienced firsthand is even if you think, you know, even if you feel aligned with how you are doing things, there might always be someone who doesn't necessarily agree or wouldn't do the same things as you would do. And so um, it's learning to be grounded and aligned with what you are choosing to do. And that takes some work in itself, being confident in the way you're doing things. But I feel like this is a perfect opportunity to talk about these next steps for, for this particular person. So very excited. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think, look, it is hard because we do tend to respect the people that yeah, are providing, you know, this this particular judgment around the way in which we're living our lives because often they're close exactly. family members, they're friends, they just want the best for us. And so it's sometimes hard to tune out that noise. And it sounds like this is the case for this particular dad. You know, he's like, guys, I've got this with my relationship, but the noise is still bothering him. Where do we start with trying to tune that noise out? I love how you mentioned the noise. I think that's a great um, analogy and something that we can remind ourselves of saying, how can we dial down on the noise that maybe isn't serving us right now? What I want to say is I'm seeing a lot of um, kind of confidence that they are doing the work to move forward from this affair. And I think that is a crucial step. If we would have been a step before, because there are different steps in affairs and fidelity, um, lack of trust or loss of trust. I feel like they're at this stage of saying, now we have done the work, we are continuing to do the work, but we now feel confident moving forward. It's a matter of the noise. So I feel like that in itself will be a huge strength in dealing with the noise. Because I feel like that part seems to be, um, they're handling that that part. It's not like they haven't um, worked through the issue of, let's say, the affairs. So that's the first thing to say, okay, how can we feel confident moving forward? Because that's how you're going to show up to others. So when you feel like, okay, the noise is pretty loud, but I'm going to show up as, you know, if you're in a family gathering or if you're with friends and someone says a comment, how can you stay grounded in your decision of, yeah, this X, Y, Z thing happened in our relationship. Thanks for pointing that out. I know you've said that already a few times. But this is how we're moving forward. And how you stay grounded in those moments says a lot and 
can also um, increase some respect from people around you. You cannot control what they're going to do or say, but how you show up does make a difference. And with enough repetition and enough time, you can actually shift dynamics in many, many cases. If people say, okay, actually, um, they're actually doing much better than what we had thought, or they're actually working through things and they're becoming stronger as a team. It's a very different dynamic. And so people learn will learn to um, either reduce some comments or reduce the judgment, or you will learn to navigate through that because you will have the self-confidence that you are doing things, let's say the right way for your relationship, what is right for you and your relationship. So I feel like that's a little bit twofold there. Mm, I totally hear you. I think the repetition part and people seeing you as a couple in action is screams more, you know, louder than any words that we can yes. say, right? That the action piece. I'm curious is there merit? And I'm one of those people that like to tackle a situation head on. So is there merit in, you know, pulling, if some people are being just too narky about it and always bringing it up and always being down as in conversation and always reminding you about those insecurities that you were feeling and that you've worked through, is there merit in pulling that person or those people aside and saying, you know what, it's impacting me negatively and out of respect, I would like you to stop. And if there is merit in doing that, some language that we might be able to use that doesn't come across as too confrontational would be helpful yes, too. absolutely. Um, there are so certain people, and I'm guessing that might be uh, you as well, who, who want to tackle things, who want to confront, the, for example, the person or speak up or uh, deal with, let's say, mm. things at hand. Some others might need um, space or withdraw. And so we all have these different uh, ways of dealing with this. And I love um, how you just brought that up because for someone who does want to actually talk to the person, let's say, who is quite judgmental, et cetera, I do believe that, yes, having a conversation with them to set things straight, set your boundaries, express them, I think that is very, very powerful. And as you said, the way you do this is so crucial. It's something that I teach in one of my masterclasses that is called constructive conversation. So I'll give you a framework that I provide in this masterclass, as I feel like that might be useful to give you guidelines. Mm -hmm. And so one of the frameworks that I give um, is called love, L-O-V-E, if you want every word, every, sorry, letter stands for, for another specific framework, another specific thing. But in short, mm -hmm. the first thing you want to do in those four steps is to say, okay, how am I doing personally? How am I doing before the conversation? Do I maybe need to take a breath or a walk or um, whatever it is to kind of regulate my body, regulate my nervous system so that I enter the conversation being grounded? If I'm triggered, if I'm going to react right away, get defensive, I will shut down the conversation. That's the first letter L. Um, I talk about love tank. How am I doing in my personal emotional tank so that I can have the capacity for this conversation? The O is for opening, opening the conversation. How do I open up this conversation? I can only look at what I can do. So can I ask if it's a good time to talk? Can I talk about what's going on for me? Look, um, this is what I'm experiencing. This is what I'm telling myself. Um, I'm seeing that, you know, there's some judgment there. And you're kind of tackling that from a more objective point of view instead of going into blame. You are doing this. You are hurting my feelings you, 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 you go, this is how I am experiencing. You open up conversations when you do that. And one of the other steps of O is 
requesting, requesting maybe some change or requesting what you need, expressing what you need. Look, this is, you know, do, do you mind, you know, do you think that maybe in another family gathering, we could talk about our interests or what we're going to do next year or something else? Um, because I feel like that would be super fruitful. Do you, are you okay with that? Do you think we can incorporate more of those moments? Because I really miss them, for example. And so that's how you open up the conversation. Then you never know how the other person will react. They have their own inner world, own filters from whatever you're going to say. You can say things perfectly. They will take it their own way. And so that's where the third letter, V, comes in. Validate. Say, okay, the other person has their own experience. I will not judge them for their own experience. I will validate, okay, they're getting triggered. Um, I understand. That's fine. This is, again, my experience. This is something I wanted to share because it's very important for me. But I understand. Maybe this isn't a good time. Maybe um, whatever it is. So hold space also for the other person. Can open up the conversation, make it more fruitful than saying, why are you getting so defensive? Judging them for their own reactions. Everyone has a reason for their reactions. And usually it doesn't have anything to do with you. It's how they interpret information. And the last letter is E, is exit. How do you end the conversation? Whether it was a constructive one, that's what I teach you in this masterclass, but even sometimes it might not go as smoothly as you want. So how can you still end the conversation in a way that is constructive, whether it was a difficult conversation or a pretty easy conversation? That could be with a simple, thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking through the conversation. Thanks for taking the time. I appreciate you listening to me, even though it wasn't easy. Um, I'm glad we came to a consensus. Or even if we still disagree, um, I'm looking forward to our next gathering. So any type of uh, way that you can end the conversation to still kind of wrap it up in a way that leaves you feeling, okay, we can move forward um, instead of leaving like enemies is a great way to also wrap up a potentially difficult conversation. And so these are typically the four steps that I take um, clients through or participants of these masterclasses through. And in each one of them, you'll have multiple little frameworks uh, to feel supported. So I feel like that um, process can help you say, okay, how do I bring a difficult conversation up? Because it is not easy to confront someone. Um, it doesn't always easy. For some people, it's easier than others. Does that give you a little bit of a yeah. vibe in there? Yeah. Absolutely. And I think the biggest one for someone like my personality is to breathe and prepare yes. that preparation yes. bit first yes. <laughs> rather than go in guns blazing. Like, how dare you, yes. you know, <laughs> how dare you judge me, you know, and all of those. Because you're right, it doesn't end mm -hmm. well, you know, when you've started with such levels of frustration and people can hear yes. it in your voice. Even if you feel like you're being calm, they could hear it in your voice, yes. but you're not. Um, I'm curious as well, because you did mention, and it's true, this particular couple have gotten to a place where they've reached some sort of resolution and resolve around the affair, which is absolutely phenomenal. Yes. I mean, I have so much respect for couples who are able to push through difficult times like that and come out the other side, hopefully stronger. You know, um, I think challenges do make our relationship stronger. For those listening who might be sitting there going, well, hold on, I'm not there yet. Um, I'm sitting in the muck of, I'm, it may not have been necessarily an affair, but I've got an element of, you know, hesitation, mistrust towards my partner, whatever that looks like, or they might have a friend who's experiencing that. You know, where where can they begin with trying to find the best resolution 
for themselves in, in the really dark moments? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, one of the things, and I'm going back to this particular affair as well, if for anyone who resonates with this scenario, what this person mentioned was, and I'm going to say it in different terms, there were, it feels at least, unmet needs. So affairs can happen for different reasons. And one of them is that your needs are not being met in the relationship. So you will meet them through different ways. And one of those ways is outside of the relationship with someone else. Some people um, tend to go to work to have their needs met. Some people spend more time with friends, but some people do have an affair. And so if you feel like you're in the weeds there, one thing I get very clear on is what do I need? What are my needs? What needs are being unmet? Because I guarantee that there are unmet needs in most cases, at least. And then what needs to happen for us to move forward? Do I need to express my needs better? Do I need to first become aware of my needs? Um, I work with private clients and most with most of them, I go through a first process of actually becoming aware of your needs because that even in itself is a very important step before expressing that. I'm, and when I express it, am I clear enough? Does my partner understand? Do I need, you know, do we need to build some new habits? And so that's the first step is, are there any unmet needs? Why might there be an affair from my side or from my partner's side? Do I have unmet needs? How am I nurturing the relationship? Is my partner maybe going through things and maybe feeling like they're not appreciated enough or understood enough? Are they feeling seen? Are they feeling, um, you know, all of these things, all of these needs that we have. And this is one of the things that I talk in another masterclass called love languages is how can we have our needs met? So I give you different uh, needs, fundamental human needs, because once you understand, oh, okay, these are our human needs. This is what our relationship needs to thrive. And these are relationship killers. How can we avoid the killers and have more of the needs uh, met? And specifically in a way that works for both of us. My needs, even if we have the same need, will look very differently. And that in itself can be something that uh, causes friction because we're trying to, we make efforts in our relationship, but they're not always in the right place. So are you very, very clear on your needs, on your partner's needs? And how are you nurturing the relationship on a day-to-day? How, you, how are you expressing um, unmet needs? How are you, are you having the difficult but necessary conversations? Are you expressing things in a healthy way or do you wait for conflict to express your needs? So all of these things um, have an enormous weight on topics like affairs. You want to first have that introspection and then say, what does my partner need as well? How about sort of the best practices tools in feeling like you want to try and get over a level of betrayal in your relationship? You know, are there things that we can be doing or be mindful of to support us through that particular dark Mm -hmm. time? So you mean someone who is, who has been betrayed or who has suspicions of being? Or either. I mean, I don't know if there's different tactics, but but probably either. Yeah. So if someone has been betrayed or has been, let's say, a victim of an affair, Mm. um, first things first, there are different angles we can take this. It's not like a one step and a second step, but One thing is to say, how have I contributed potentially to this affair? What is my responsibility in this? We sometimes don't want to see that part. Mm -hmm. So that's the first part that I, that kind of goes hand in hand with the needs that I just mentioned. So, Mm -hmm. and the other part is to say, okay, what, 
again, needs to happen from here for, so that I feel like we can move forward. For some people, they need to know a lot about what happened in the affair. There's that first initial phase where it's that shock. Okay, my partner just had an affair. I'm on the other end of it. And the second phase is to say, I need to understand what happened. Some people need a lot of details and some people just want to know, you know, why that happened, why their partner was capable of doing that, um, if they will not do it again. And all of those questions need answers so that you can then move to the third phase, which is we're actually working on this relationship like I'm seeing from this case. So that is there. For someone who suspects the betrayal, Mm -hmm. I'd be, you know, curious to know or challenge this person to say, okay, what is my evidence? Mm -hmm. Because our mind is very good at interpreting information, at seeing the negatives, at, you know, um, looking at worst case scenarios. Mm -hmm. It's very good in doing that. And it's very normal. It's there to protect us in case something wrong happens. And so I'd really be mindful, okay, is this my mind trying to protect me and trying to see everything that might potentially go wrong? Mm-hmm. Or am I truly separating facts from interpretation, seeking evidence, um, looking at also what is going right to kind of have the balance and see, okay, what are these facts and interpretations? Yeah. So that is a work in itself. Yeah. Such a fair point, isn't it? We really do think worse. Well, I certainly do. Worst case scenario, like with most things in life, because like, yes. how would I tackle that? And if I could tackle that, that it should be fine, you know. And it really yes. is that that security blanket we put on ourselves. We are, as you know, a parenthood podcast. I want to hear from you, perhaps a few tips around. Obviously, this particular dad is concerned that let's say somehow he's five and what is that five and seven year old or you know, perhaps, you know, in a couple of years time, for whatever reason, they find out about the deception that's happened within their relationship and they perhaps start resenting their mum, right? Uh, It's a really tricky one. I guess at the moment they've kept it quite private and hoping that it doesn't come out. Curious around, firstly, whether you think that approach, um, you know, is effective. I don't know. It's very subjective. So I don't want to put you on the spot, but just generally your ideas around that. And then if it were to come out for whatever reason, perhaps a little bit of language that um, the couple can be using with their children. Yeah, sure. That's a great one. I think, you know, um, an affair or finding out about your parents' infidelity can be very damaging for kids. Um, I'd be mindful of, Kate, do we want to tell them off the bat or do we want to choose to keep it private. And when the day comes, if the day comes, we will have an honest, open conversation about it and say, these, yes, this happened. This is what we learned from it. We aren't taught relationship skills. So being very honest about that too, and saying we made mistakes. That's one thing is the conversation in itself. Happy to go more into that if you want. But this, this other part, even before that is to say, how can we model new behaviors from here onwards? How can we be a role model so that maybe in 10 years time, if they ask us what happened because they find out, we can go, yes, this happened 10 years ago. And that was actually a wake up call. Let's say, be confident that you've been walking the talk ever since and being, you know, you've been strengthening the relationship ever since that your kids also have this image of saying, okay, wow, okay. They've been through hardships. Relationships do come with hardships in different shapes of forms, but I'm very proud of them for also you know, showing us what love looks like even after a challenge like this. Okay. You know, they might not necessarily understand right away. Every kid reacts very differently, but you want to be, um, I'd encourage the parents right now to focus on what they can do in these next years. Um, if they decide to keep it private 
so that they can actually strengthen their bond, strengthen the bond with their kids, have a family unit and build something incredible. So that again, in 10, 15 years time, or even five years, if the conversation comes up, they can have an honest, open conversation about mistakes and lessons. And they're actually embodying this new version of the relationship after the wake up call, if that makes sense. Oh, I love that. It's so true, isn't it? You know, be the example um, for your kids. If you are brave enough and for whatever reason in this situation, they were it worked out and they're happy to really um, continue working on their relationship and staying together, being that great example and showing the children that, hey, you know, shit happens. Life gets in the way. We're not all perfect. We are human. Even though we are your parents and you think we're superhuman, we're all very human, you know, and I love that as um, sort of teaching via example. Um, I, look, I think there have been so many great nuggets of wisdom. So thank you so much, Alex, um, for your time. And hopefully to this dad who called in, we've been able to sort of put your mind at ease a little bit. Um, no that you're not alone in your struggles. It sounds like, Alex, you, you deal with a lot of clients um, who are experiencing similar, similar things. And um, hopefully we've been able to provide you, um, Dad Caller, with, with a bit of uh, guidance around this one. Alex, before we leave you, can you tell us a little bit more about how we can find out more about you and your work? Sure. Um, and just to your point, very quickly, if you yeah. don't mind, I do want to say that um, this dad who called is a great model now or his relationship will become a potentially great model for his kids, for people around him, and even for listeners here. Mm-hmm. Um, we tend to believe that once a cheater, always a cheater. And I receive countless messages on Instagram every day that say, we've overcome our infidelity. I just want you to know. And so I share that on my stories. And I feel like that is a great way to show the world that it is possible. I'm not saying every case is the same, but I hope this also provides hope um, that it can be possible with enough support, with taking accountability, um, and so much, so many more things. So thanks for, for having this particular case today. I think it's a great example. And, um, and yeah, so I'm mostly active on Instagram. I do have a website toolboxforlove.com, but where I'm mostly active is on Instagram, um, at toolbox for love. You can find me there. You'll find a series of masterclasses. So I love to talk about tools, um, tools that you add to your toolbox so that whenever challenges come up, um, you know how to deal with them. I truly believe that because we aren't taught how to navigate the ups and downs of a relationship, um, you get to be empowered with tools and, and that's what I teach. So you'll find a free communication guide for anyone who wants to start somewhere and some some masterclasses for different topics. Mm, I love that. You've obviously... Um putting quite an imprint uh, there in a lot of people's lives. You've got quite the following on Instagram. So yes, I would encourage uh, our listeners too to check you out there. I'll pop your Instagram details in the show notes as well. Alex, thank you so much again for your time. Thank you as well. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave us a review and share it with your friends. Want to contribute to the conversation? Hit us up on Instagram at parenthoodpod and join our Facebook group. Until next time. Thanks for listening. The Parenthood Podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land we produce on, the land of the Wurundjeri people. We pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging.